In this episode of Flying Smarter, I'm answering questions about airplane sewage and how to find the best seat on the plane. I also have a guest on this episode, Alyssa Cherkii, who is here to talk about the world of points and miles. Welcome to episode 4 of Flying Smarter, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of air travel. I'm really excited for this episode because we have a guest here to talk about points and miles, which is a super practical topic, and it's probably the easiest way to earn free air travel. And we talk about things like what points and miles are, how to get started, and how to pick loyalty programs and credit cards. But first, let's get started by answering some questions about air travel. First, we're going to talk about airplane sewage. Do the contents that get flushed down toilets on airplanes end up being ejected into the sky? Well, luckily for anyone who's under a plane's flight path, modern airliners do not release the waste from their toilets into the sky. Everything that gets sucked into those toilets stays on the plane and it gets emptied on the ground. If you ever watch the Undercover Boss episode for Frontier Airlines, the boss actually gets to try this job, and he has a bit of an accident, and it's uh, it's a funny scene to watch. Uh, the guy training him is smart, sort of sees it coming, and knew to stand back a little bit. That being said, there's recent stories of frozen toilet waste landing in people's yards, and it does happen, because with planes these days, even though the waste can't be dumped from a plane intentionally, by a pilot for example, it is possible for lavatory waste to leave a plane if there's been a leak in a valve or some other sort of malfunction. What is the best seat on a plane? Well, the answer to this depends largely on your priorities and preferences. If you don't like turbulence for example, seats near the middle of the plane, over the wings, or towards the front of the plane tend to give you a bit of a smoother ride. If you're a bit of a nervous flyer and always have safety in mind, you might want to know that your chances of surviving a plane crash are slightly better if you sit towards the back of the plane. You might anticipate being in a rush to get off the plane when you get to your destination, either because you have a connecting flight, or a meeting, or whatever the reason may be, and if that's the case, you'll obviously want to seat towards the front of the plane. But also, if the plane has two aisles, the left aisle tends to move a bit faster than the one on the right, because the exit door will be on the left side. If you have longer legs and are looking for a bit of extra space, a seat in the emergency exit row or the bulkhead row might be a good idea for you, and the bulkhead row refers to a row that faces a wall on a plane. Keep in mind though that you might have to pay extra for seats that have more legroom, depending on the airline, and with a bulkhead seat, because it faces a wall, you won't be able to put belongings under the seat in front of you. Some exit rows also have limited recline, but next what I'm going to do is talk a little bit about how to find specific seats for your flight. How you can find the best seat for you also depends on the plane you're flying, because each airline configures their planes differently. If you use the website SeatGuru, you can find your plane's layout. And I should mention that this is in no way sponsored or endorsed by SeatGuru, it's just a website that I use each time I fly. And what they have is color-coded seat maps that identify good seats, as well as those that might cause you problems, like ones that are missing a window maybe, or have limited recline. So you can find out what type of plane you're flying by viewing your booking with your airline, and then 
going on SeatGuru and searching for your airline and that specific aircraft type. Did you know that you can currently buy first-class nut mixes that are normally served on American Airlines and United Airlines? Americans stopped serving the nuts during the COVID-19 pandemic, and that left their supplier with a large surplus supply of nuts. The same supplier ended up with a large surplus of United Airlines' nut mix as well. And as of mid-September 2020, the nuts are available for sale at greatnuts.com. American's nut mix is branded there as First Class Nut Mix, and United's are listed under Elite Status Nut Mix. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Alyssa Cherkiai is a writer and a frequent flyer who can be found in places like Business Insider, Million Mile Secrets, and The Points Guy. She's also the host of the She Made Points podcast, which is aimed at helping people better understand the complex world of points and miles. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, well, I'm really glad to have you here. And what I'm hoping to do today is to give our audience an overview of the world of points and miles and talk a bit about how to get started. So I think we should start with the very basics. What exactly are points and miles? Yep. So points and miles are a currency that you can use to redeem for lots of different things, including travel, which is typically the type of redemption that will give you the best value. And points come from credit cards and hotels typically, and then miles typically come from airlines. So that's just like the basic overview. Right. So I know that the points and miles world extends beyond travel and flying, but it's really often associated with air travel to the extent that we can essentially discuss it as an air travel topic. And that's what we're trying to do here. But I think it's important to flush it out. Why are points and miles so closely related to air travel? Yeah, at its very base level. So points and miles can be redeemed for air travel, which makes it a very like compatible subject, I'd say. Um, however, I think the connection between the two runs a little bit deeper. Um, a lot of points and miles, like pros who are just experts at getting these crazy redemptions of points and miles are also typically or oftentimes aviation geeks as well. Um, so they're very interested in air travel. There's a pretty good reason why people are interested in aviation alongside points and miles. And some of it, I think, sprouts from you can oftentimes get a really good redemption with points and miles when you know uh, the types of airlines that you're flying, the different types of planes, uh, the different products on those planes, on those airlines. So when you have a good understanding of what's out there in the air travel world, you are able to better maximize your use of points and miles because you can decide, I want to fly this route on this plane um, because it's a better option. Well, I'm really glad that um, we've been able to hash out uh, that connection. So for people who either don't travel a lot or maybe have limited experience or no experience at all with credit cards or loyalty programs, the big world of points and miles can seem a bit daunting. But do you need to be a frequent flyer or a big spender to get started and to start earning reward travel? Absolutely not. Flying is surprisingly 
one of the slowest ways to earn points and miles. So um, I know a lot of people associate it with that because a lot of people who are beginners, their experience with points and miles is when they take a flight and they are signed up for a, a frequent flyer program, they get accredited those points or miles to their account. And so they associate that with being one of the best ways to earn points and miles. However, it's really not always true. Um, and in terms of like the big spender um, kind of myth of points and miles, uh, you never really should be spending more than you typically would. In your quest to gaining more points and miles, you might pay an annual fee for a credit card, which is a great way to earn points and miles. However, that should always be kind of outweighed by the benefits that you're receiving from it. So bottom line is you shouldn't have to fly every so you shouldn't have to fly that frequently um, to start gaining points and miles and you shouldn't have to be spending a lot either. Right. Okay. So now that we've established that you don't really need to fly a ton or to be spending a lot to get started, let's say that I'm a beginner with no experience. Okay. So I have some questions for you from that perspective. And I guess the best place to start is to ask, where do I start? <laughs> totally fair. Um, on my podcast, I talk about a lot of different ways that you can get started with points and miles. It's definitely different for everyone. I would say one of the first things that you should do is sign up for loyalty programs for uh, the different airlines that you fly and the different hotels that you stay. That way, anytime that you book something, those miles and points will be accredited to your accounts. They won't just be lost in wherever they go when you don't do that. Um, so that's a good place to start if you haven't already done that. But then I think the next big place that you can get a big leap on your quest to earning points and miles is signing up for a credit card. Um, depending on where your credit is and what your budget is for a credit card, you'll have different options for you. Um, but one of the best ways to earn points and miles is through a sign-up bonus. It's a really quick way to earn points and miles. You will spend a certain amount of money in a certain amount of time, and then you'll get a big bonus of points and or I guess, points or miles. Um, and then you can also take advantage of the spending categories on that card uh, to maximize your regular spend and basically earn points and miles every single time you swipe your card. So let's say I go out and sign up for a credit card. When I earn points, do I directly earn airline points or is it points for some sort of credit cards reward program? So it depends on what kind of card you have. So airline miles are typically earned when you fly or when you spend on what's called a co-branded card. So if you have a card that has a partnership with, say, American Airlines, then you'll be earning American Airlines miles and not just typical credit card points. And then points are earned when you spend on a credit card. Um, so that would be a just regular um, credit card rewards program. And then you can also earn points when you stay at a hotel or in a similar way with the airline miles, if you spend on a co-branded hotel credit card. So if you have a Marriott Bonvoy card, you'll be earning hotel points for that. Okay, so if I have one of those credit cards where I earn points for a rewards program, how do I take that and how does that turn into travel? 
This is where the conversation gets a little bit in the weeds. Like it gets a little tricky. Um, redemptions are really the the bread and butter of points and miles and getting the best bang for your buck. Um, so you want to take a look at how much your points are valued. So these are not all just one type of currency. They're all different types of currencies depending on the program. You want to take a look at how much your specific type of points and miles that you're earning are valued. And then you want to make sure that you're getting that value out of them when you redeem. Um, so typically for a credit card, you'd go into a portal and look at your options for travel. And um, you just want to make sure that First of all, you're getting the value of the card. And sometimes you want to just look at the cash price of that ticket as well to make sure that it makes sense that you're using points in the scenario. Maybe it's a really cheap, you know, cash ticket and and doesn't make sense to spend your very hard-earned points on that specific book. Okay, now a lot of this um, sort of depends on which card you have. And if you go out there looking, there's a lot of, you know, there's so many different credit cards out there and so many different loyalty programs out there. What's your advice for people who are starting in terms of how to go out and pick one? I personally think that that you should start with a credit card that gives you sort of versatile points and miles. This is just my personal opinion, not financial advice. Um, but I think it's best to to get some potentially like Chase Ultimate Rewards points or American Express Rewards um, because those can be transferred to a ton of different programs. That way you don't have to be locked into, say, just flying Delta um, and that gives you a lot of flexibility to put your miles or your points wherever you want them to go. Um, and those credit card rewards programs have really great beginners cards too. Um, Chase has the Chase Freedom and the Chase Freedom Unlimited, um, which you can earn points from. And then you can, if you have a little bit better of a credit score that's more established, you can bump it up to the Chase Sapphire Preferred card, which has an annual fee of $95, I believe. So you put a little bit more money into it, but you get a great you know, sign-up bonus and spending categories with that card. So there are options for beginners starting with those bigger credit card companies. And for American Express, I love um, the green card as a as a starter card. It's a little bit more expensive. I think it's one twenty five as an annual fee. But if you're ready to put in money like that, um, it has some really great benefits and also some really great earnings. Right now, on the note of different uh, credit cards, if you go out there and look at, um, as I'm sure you know, different travel blogs or articles on the best cards for earning points and miles, the cards that are often talked about there tend not to be ones that people can just get right off the bat as a beginner, right? So how can people work towards getting those top travel cards or even quote-unquote better uh, travel cards out there? One thing I like to suggest to beginners is to kind of start in the like points and miles program that you want to work up towards. So if you want, so the, I would say the top two travel cards that everyone knows about are the Chase Sapphire Reserve and the Amex Platinum Card, the Platinum Card by American Express. Um, 
those are like the end all be all of rewards, credit cards. If you want to travel, like those are cards that you might want to have in your wallet. So if you want to work up to getting those cards, you can start with smaller cards in that range. So for example, starting with the Chase Sapphire preferred card that you'll likely get uh, approved for when you are a little bit younger, a little bit less of an established credit, um, you can, you know, start establishing yourself within that bank. Um, But generally just building your credit is a great way to do that and start budgeting as well. You know, these cards have really high annual fees. They're like $550. So, you know, you definitely want to be ready to take on that that expense. Now, Nelson, you mentioned that some of those cards have fairly high annual fees. And maybe from people who don't, uh, who are just starting off, those those high fees seem fairly intimidating um, or seem seem really high just for a credit card. Um, what makes it worth it for people to be paying um, hundreds of dollars in annual fees each year? Totally. Yeah. And I think off the bat, like I mentioned, it's really important to like understand that your annual fee should not be, you know, ultimately a cost to you. You should definitely be gaining well more than that annual fee costs. So that's the first thing I would keep in mind. Um, And the way that those annual fees are offset, like you're asking, is through really valuable perks. So um, for example, the American Express Platinum card gives you access to the Centurion lounges, which are an amazing benefit when you go to the airport, when you are able to fly um, and kind of you you get really great food, you get free drinks, you tip the waiters, obviously, or the bartender. Um, and sometimes they have spa services. So super valuable there. You can get loyalty built in with different um, travel programs. So there are a lot of really great benefits that always should be outweighing the cost of the annual fee. Um, on top of that, your sign-up bonus typically should outweigh the first year of that annual fee cost. Um, that's typically what it comes out to. But um, yeah, typically like the first Sign up bonus should come out to a points valuation that is more than that annual fee. We touched on this briefly right at the beginning, but um, points and miles, the world of points and miles extends beyond air travel. What are some other ways um, that people can use points and miles for things other than air travel or hotels, let's say? Yeah, you can redeem points and miles for a lot of different things. You can redeem them for like transferring to to get store products like typically things that you can buy at say Best Buy you can use your points and miles you can transfer them to Amazon um and you can even sometimes use them as a statement credit uh so that you're not you know you don't have to pay the full price of your bill these can be really helpful for people right now as you are a lot of people are in tough financial situations. And this can be a great way to kind of offset that expense. It's not always the most valuable use of your points and miles, but um, I mean, we're not going to be flying as frequently as we were before, 
just yet. And so if you have a better use for it right now, maybe you want to buy a new computer for working from home, whatever the case may be. Um, I think the consensus right now is a good redemption, as Zach Koenig said on my first episode, is a redemption that makes you happy. Um, so you don't necessarily have to use them for travel, although it can be the best valued redemption for you. All right. Well, Alyssa Cherkiai is a writer, a frequent flyer, and a podcast host as well. If you want to hear more from her on the topic of points and miles, you can check out her podcast. It's called She Made Points, and it's now available on your favorite podcast app. In addition, you can find her written work in places like The Points Guy, Business Insider, and Million Mile Secrets. Well, thanks so much for being here and sharing your knowledge, Alyssa. It's really been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much for having me again. It was a great talk. One of the things that Alyssa touched on briefly during our chat is the idea of point valuations. And I want to take a second to explore this a bit because it's really something that I found useful when I first learned about it. And I do want to do more episodes that go on further about redemptions, loyalty points, and whatnot. But the topic of point valuations was very helpful to me, so I want to share it with you. And I wish I had time to talk to Alyssa about this a bit more, because she could probably do a better job than me of explaining it, but I'm going to take a crack at it. So let's take a look at two examples, and I'll do a general one first about redeeming credit card points, and then get into a flying specific example. For example number one, let's say you have a credit card that earns you reward points that you can exchange for different things. And let's say that you can redeem a thousand points for either a $10 Amazon gift card or for a $15 Walmart gift card. Obviously, the Walmart gift card is a better deal. When you redeem your points and miles for things, you're attaching a monetary value to them, and you can calculate that by dividing the value of what you are getting by the number of points that you are spending on it to find out how much value you're getting out of each point. So if we go with our $10 Amazon gift card where we're spending 1,000 points, $10 divided by 1,000 points gives us $0.01 or 1 cent. And in this case, the value we're getting is 1 cent per point. With our $15 Walmart gift card, so we go $15 divided by 1,000 points, and that gives us $0.015 or 1.5 cents. So in this case, the value we're getting is 1.5 cents per point, which is a better deal. When it comes to air travel, though, it gets a bit more complicated because ticket prices and the amounts of points you need to redeem free travel aren't fixed numbers. And you might also not be able to make an easy comparison as we were with the $10 and $15 gift cards. And on top of that, you might have to pay additional fees along with your points. It can get confusing, so let me quickly walk you through how you can figure out if you're getting a good deal on your flight redemption. Let's keep the numbers simple and say that you're trying to book a flight on American Airlines and it's going to cost you 15,000 miles plus $25 in fees. You search for the same itinerary as if you were going to book it with cash and find out that it would cost you $175. So again, to find the value that you are getting from your points, you need to divide the value of what you are getting by the number of points. In this case, the value you are getting isn't $175 though. 
even though that's the price of the ticket you would be paying otherwise. And that's because you still need to pay $25 in fees if you're booking with your miles. So what you need to do is subtract 25 from 175 to get $150, which is the actual amount that you are saving by using your points. Then you can take 150 and divide it by the number of miles required, like we were doing before, which is 15,000. And that gives you a value of $0.015 or 1.5 cents per mile. At this point, the question is how do you know if 1.5 cents per mile is a good deal or not? Well, what you can do is do a quick Google search for something like American Airlines points valuation, and you'll find a number of travel sites out there that have calculated and determined the approximate valuation of different points and miles currencies. And in the case of American Airlines Advantage Miles, you'll find that they typically say that the valuation is around 1.4 to 1.6 cents per mile. And in our example, we were getting 1.5 cents per mile, so we're getting a fairly good deal. If the number we were getting was much lower, then it would be not so good of a deal, but if the number were much higher, like let's say we were getting 2 cents per mile, then it would be a very good deal. So what it all comes down to is figuring out how much value you are getting out of each point or mile that you are spending. And I know that it might have been a little bit hard to follow along with these calculations without a visual representation, so what I'll do is put a link in the episode description to a walkthrough of this specific example. Now this can be a fairly complicated topic, and so I definitely want to do more episodes on loyalty programs and points of miles because they're really a great way for people to save money on air travel. One of my main goals here is to help you become a savvier air traveler, and this is definitely an area that I want to take a closer look at. For today though, I just wanted to take a quick moment to discuss point valuations in further details since it was brought up in my conversation earlier with Alyssa. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Flying Smarter. For the latest updates, follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Flying Smarter and on Twitter at Flying underscore Smarter. This was also the last of our initial launch episodes, but I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.